We're in a series on Psalms, and so if you've got your Bible, hopefully you have two things. Hopefully you have a Bible and you have your journal. If you don't have your Bible, we've got them outside. You can grab a Bible on your way out or use your phone today. If you don't have a journal, we also have those out in the lobby. would love for you to grab a journal so that you're able to do a study of Psalms outside of just Sunday morning. That's one of the whole reasons, one of the main reasons why we are studying Psalms throughout the whole summer is so that we can make sure this is going beyond just Sunday morning, but it's going into your daily prayer life and your daily study of God's word also. Psalms, as you might know, if you're new, haven't been here as we started this series, a couple like kind of recap points. Psalms is all different poems and poetic songs, all compiled by different authors. Different themes are throughout Psalms, and they're shoved into this one book so that we can look at all these different seasons of life. We get a great glimpse, a great window into these authors' season of life and what they're experiencing. And across the board, for every single one of them, you know what the response is? Worship. When they're going through a high point in their life, the response is worship. When they're going through a very difficult time in their life, the response is still worship. And so that's what we're going to see all throughout Psalms, no matter the life situation, no matter the experience, no matter what they're going through, these authors continue to respond with worship. I mentioned these, there's different themes throughout Psalms. If you hear last week, Adam was here, a good friend of mine, did a great job going through Psalms 121, and he mentioned that that Psalm is a Psalm of Ascent. There's different Psalms different themes. The Psalm of Ascent, my eyes look up to the hills, where does my help come from? That is a Psalm of Ascent. The Psalm we're going to look at today is Psalm 100. And this Psalm, as Trace mentioned, is a Psalm of Thanksgiving. It's all about gratitude, right? So Psalm 100 is going to focus in on gratitude, the idea of being thankful. It's also going to help us know what it really looks like to worship. And I'm sure you've said this phrase before, like, oh man, church was so great today. The worship was so good. Or you say the reverse of that, man, I didn't really get much out of church today, your worship was just not on point today. And often we, we make this mistake of, of saying worship is just singing. And sometimes we even make a bigger mistake and say worship is just singing three to four songs in church. And so what we're going to see, Psalm 100 is going to help us see what worship truly is and then why we worship. Before we jump into Psalm 100, uh, there's three questions I want us to always ask as we're studying Psalms this summer. These are helpful to maybe write in as you're journaling, even as we go through Psalm 100 today. These three questions will help you dig just a little bit deeper, help you get below the surface so you can see more of what God is truly teaching in Psalms. So here's the three questions. Here's the first one. What can you praise God for? Psalms is all about worship. It's all about gratitude. It's all about praising God. What can you praise God for? Find it in there as we go through Psalm 100. Second question is what truth is being taught? What's the truth? Not only do we learn how to worship God throughout Psalms, but we're also being taught the truths of God, his character throughout Psalms. So look for the truth. And the last question is what do I need to ask God? Do I need to ask him for help? Do I need to ask him for clarity? Do I need to ask him for guidance? Do I need to ask him Four, you fill in the blank, but what do you need to ask God for as you discover the truth and as you begin to pay more attention to what we truly praise God for? Like I said, this series through Psalms is not just about Sunday morning. It is also about every day throughout the summer. So to help with that, we are going to send you a text once a day, Monday through Friday, to give you a psalm a day. So if you're not part of that text group yet, go ahead and text right there, Psalms to 77411. You can do it right now on your phone. That'll opt you in. 
We will send one text today that gives you a psalm, says read this. It even gives you a link so you can click on it right there with your phone and read a psalm. And the hope is that you'd read that psalm and then you would jump into your journal. As you read that psalm that would show up on your phone on Monday morning, then you start to go through, okay, what am I praising God for today? What's the truth that I need to learn and pay attention to into the psalm today? What do I need to ask God for today? What kind of dialogue, what kind of prayer do I need to pray today? So if you want to be part of that psalms, text that to 77411. We'd love to have you be part of that. All right, Psalm 100. Let's dive into this psalm of Thanksgiving. Let me pray, and we'll start with verse 1. God, thank you so much for how you work, how you speak, how you move. God, may our hearts be directed towards you. May our minds be focused on you. May we have a posture of gratitude as we study Psalms 100 today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's verse one. We're gonna go verse by verse. Remember, what do we praise God for? What's the truth? And then what is our prayer? Psalm 100, verse one. Shout to the Lord, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. First part, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. We need to talk about that word shout. And you're going to notice as we go through each of these verses, it's not, I'm not going to call it a command, but these are like invitations and instructions on how we are to worship. So it starts with shouting. We don't shout enough in church, y'all. We just don't shout enough, but we got to make sure it's the right kind of shout. So I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you a lot of Hebrew words this morning. Shout in this, in this language here, originally originally written in, in Hebrew, the original word there is ruah. You guys say, come on, that's a good word. Ruah, say it with me, ruah. Man, it's such a good word. Ruah means this. It is a war cry. It is a battle cry. But it's not just any kind of battle cry. Notice it's ruah with what? With joy, right? So it's not just I'm angry and ready to fight. It's not just I'm all amped up and pumped up and ready to charge in. This is ruah with joy, Here's how I want you to think about it. I love watching my kids play, whether it's out on the turf, whether it's in sports. I just love being a cheerleader for my kids. My two oldest, Connor and Cole, they both played flag football this last season. And Becky and I loved being the parents on the sidelines. I mean, with all the other parents, I mean, just cheering them on. And it was great because you could see this progression of what happened anytime one of my boys got the ball. Becky and I would be sitting down, just minding our own business, like watching, you know, nine, ten-year-olds play football, play flag football, and then Connor or Cole, they would get the ball, and we'd be like, get the ball, he's got the ball, and then we'd start to stand up, and then we'd start to watch them run down the field, like, they're running, they're running, watch out for that guy, keep going, go, 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 touchdown! Do you notice the progression of the shout? That's ruah with joy. We didn't shout at the beginning. There wasn't any shouting at the beginning. It was, I think something's about to happen. And then when it finally happened, we shouted afterwards. That's what we're told here. It's shout with joy, declare victory. It's ruah with joy. It's ruah with victory because we've already won. Because the battle's already been won for us. So at the very beginning, we are told to shout and recognize that Jesus has already won the battle for us. He's already won the war. So let's do that. Like, let's practice Ruah. When you hear this, you hear that Jesus has fought your battle. He has won the war for you. That should evoke something in us that happens called Ruah. So say it with me. One, two, three. Ruah. Okay. That was more like... We're going to go to Wendy's after church for lunch. Ruah. That's what that sounded like. 
Let me put it, let, let's put a little bit more perspective. Let me put maybe a little bit more skin to this one. I want you to think about your current battle. What are you currently, let's get real. What are you, what are you currently facing? What are you stressed about? What are you worried about? What kind of pressure are you up against? What are you afraid of? What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? What about failures? Do you have any failed relationships? Maybe you have a relationship that is in the midst of failing. What about disappointments? Things you thought would go differently that got thrown a curveball. It's not where you thought it would go. It's not how you thought it would end up. Disappointed. What about anger? Just mad. Just ticked off. Flustered and frustrated and bothered. What battle are you currently fighting? With that in mind, know that Jesus has already fought it and won it for you. That doesn't mean it's going to turn out the way that you're expecting it to or wanting it to necessarily. But when we read out of Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors in him, that we have victory because of him, that when Jesus died on the cross, he took away our sin, our guilt, our shame. He gave us freedom, freedom from fear, freedom from worry. He says that those who are weary can come to him and find, you know the word? Rest. That we can find peace in him, even when our circumstances don't have peace around us, we can find peace in him. Why? Because John tells us in chapter 16 that he has overcome the world. He's already won. So with that battle in mind, and with the fact that Jesus has already fought it and won it for you, we're going to say Ruah one more time. We're going to mean it a little bit differently. Because we're going to declare victory over whatever battle you are currently facing. Not because of your strength, but because he's already fought it and won. Now, I know this is going to be cheesy, and you're worried about what it's going to sound like with the people around you, but I want to blow the roof off of this place. So we're going to rue all the way that Psalms 100 tells us to. You ready? With battle in mind. One, two, three. Ruah! Much better. Much better. That do something in you? It should. That's what worship feels like. That's what worship sounds like when we say, Jesus, I praise you and I shout with joy because no matter what I face, you've already won. That's just verse one. Let's go to verse two. Verse two, we're told, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Two different parts, kind of of the same coin, two sides of the same coin. Now, my translation I'm reading out of, yours might be the same thing. Worship is that first part. The idea here, think position, right? Think the position between you and God of worship the Lord with gladness and come before him singing with joy. The first part of that is we worship the Lord. We come before him because he's our king, right? That's what a servant does. A servant comes before the king and says, I worship you. The literal word there could be better translated like work or serve, but the idea is it's with a worshipful heart. It's like coming before the king and saying, at your service. That's what this picture is of worship the Lord with gladness. Whatever you say, my king, your will be done. 
Whatever you ask me to do, I will do. Wherever you send me, I will go. My life is yours. That's what this first part, that's the image that should come to mind. We worship the Lord with our work, with our service, with our actions, with our life. Because he is the Lord. Because he is king. So when we talk about serving, that's not just because we're called as Christians to be nice people that help others. No, we, we serve because it's worshiping the king. We are kingdom workers. We've given our lives to Jesus. And so when he says, do this and help here and, and serve in this way or serve this person or serve in this place, the answer is whatever you say, my Lord. However you want me to serve, my king. That's the idea. So Colossians 3.23 talks about this. Paul says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart and with a cheerful heart as though you're working for the Lord rather than for man. That's the sentiment here. So it's not just serve in church. That is absolutely part of it. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's also serve your family. It's serve your community. It's serve your neighbors. It's serve the people you come in contact with. No matter what God might send you to do, no matter what task he gives you, our worship is at your service, my king. That's the picture of worship the Lord with gladness. Now here's the flip side. There's another side to it. That's more action-based, but then we see come before him singing with joy. So singing is a part of worship. We don't want to neglect that, but it's not just that, right? It's shouting with victory. It's working and serving God through other people. It's also what we say and how we sing, but notice the first part, come before him, and that is a powerful image. Right? We come before him. We step into his presence. Again, notice the position and the relationship dynamic. The relationship of a servant to his king. I worship you. I'm at your service. But now we get to step into his presence almost as a friend or as a child to his father. I get to step into your presence and I get to sing. I get to face you. I get to see you. I get to be with you. And I think as Christians say, we take this for granted. The fact that we can stand in the very presence of God Almighty. When we sing, we're facing him. We're in his presence and we're singing to him. And I don't think we recognize just how meaningful and important that is. Man, that should humble us. That should amaze us that we're invited into his presence. Let me show you why. When this was written, this was before Jesus in Psalms, but today, this means something a little bit different. Let me show you why. So uh, for the Jews, right, even in Jesus' time before his crucifixion, um, people would show up to the temple, right? They would show up to the temple in massive, massive structure. This is where offerings would be given. This is where sacrifices would be made. This is where all the religious stuff would happen. You can see the place. If you can see it up there, it says holy place. It's like the largest, tallest structure if we zoom in just a little bit more, there's a cutaway. I want you to see what's inside that holy place, right? So now you have these different sections in these different rooms that the Jews would come to worship. Notice, you see where it says holy of holies? That holy of holies is exactly what it sounds like. It is the most holy place in the entire, in the entire temple. It was so holy, in fact, they had this veil. You see that labeled there? This large curtain 
Most, believe, most scholars believe it was about four to five inches thick, about 60 feet tall. This is not just like a drape. This is a massive barrier between the Holy of Holies and everything else. And inside the Holy of Holies was symbolic of God's dwelling. That's the place where his presence was. So if you wanted to come before God, you had to go through not just that whole temple, you had to go through all these different barriers behind the veil, behind the curtain to get to the Holy of Holies. But there's a problem. Only one person in all of Israel was allowed to be in that place and he could only go in there once a year called the Day of Atonement. The highest high priest one time a year would step into the Holy of Holies do the offerings, do the sacrifice, and then step out and would wait a whole nother year. That's the only way that they could enter into the presence of God. Jesus changed all that, though. Let me show you this. In Matthew chapter 27, Jesus has been arrested. He has been put up on the cross, and we're going to read the passage where he finally dies for you and for me. And I want you to see what happens. Matthew 27, verse 50. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. He died. Verse 51, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It was torn in two. The reason it was torn in two from top to bottom is God's way of symbolizing, this is me and my grace, not you and your good works. That veil was torn so that now the presence of God was accessible and available to anyone. There was no longer a barrier between us and God. We no longer needed a priest or a mediator to go between us and God. We could step into God's presence because the veil was torn. But it's not because of our good works. It's not from the ground up. It's not from us up. It was God's grace down that tore the veil. And now we have this invitation out of Psalm 100 that we can come into his presence. To be able to come into his presence and to sing with joy, to sing to him, to look him in the face and to worship and praise and to sing for him. So we have this great dynamic of we are humble before our king and we serve our king, but we also have a deep and personal and meaningful and even intimate relationship with God. We have both sides. He's our king. He's also our father. We can stand in his presence, but we also serve him. Verse three, we acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That word acknowledge basically just means know. Know that the Lord is God. Different ways you could read that word know though. Right? We think of no, we usually think of just intellectually what we know, what we are aware of, what we might have learned. And sure, that's a piece of it. But again, I'm going to teach you another Hebrew word. The word here for know or acknowledge is the word yada. You know where else yada has been used in scripture, specifically in the Old Testament? In Genesis, we are told that Adam yada his wife and they bore a child. Do I need to explain? No. Knowing is so much more than just what happens up here. It's a relational word. It's an intimate word. And so for here in Psalms, for the psalmist to write, yada that the Lord is God, it's to have a deep, meaningful, intimate relationship with God. It's not just know about him. And you know the difference of that. The difference of knowing of or knowing about and then knowing. 
That's the type of knowing, that's the yada that we are told here, and that's part of worship. It's really important for us to pay attention to that because typically, if we were to go around and answer this question, how would you describe or define your relationship with God? Most of us in the room, if not all of us, me included, would start rattling off in two categories. Well, I do this, and I go to church, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and I was baptized, and I've been saved. Like, we would start to say the things that we've done or that we do, or we start to talk about how we feel about God. Man, I just feel like he's just really close right now, and I feel his presence. And I'm, You see those two categories? We tend to describe or define our relationship with God by our feelings and what we do for him. And I need you to see this. Neither of those are in verse 3. It's not pay attention to how you feel about God. It's not make sure you make a list of all the things you do for God. It's yada. Know that the Lord is God. The focus is on who he is and who we are to him. That's why you have the next couple lines. He made us. He's creator. We are his we are his creation. It becomes more personal than just creator and creation. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. John chapter 10, Jesus actually speaks in this same kind of language with shepherd, uh, him being the shepherd, us being his sheep. Listen to this language here. John chapter 10, starting in verse three, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep, listen, recognize his voice and come to him. You have to know someone in order to recognize their voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. You see how Jesus is describing our relationship with him? It's about knowing that we follow him because we know his voice. He calls us by name and that means he knows us not just knows about us. We're not just creation. We're not just his creation. We are his sheep. He is our shepherd. If you even keep reading out of the rest of chapter 10, Jesus keeps using this language of shepherd and sheep. Verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. That's so much more than just, oh yeah, yeah I know about God. I learned about God in Sunday school. I know my Bible. No, it's this idea of, no, I have a personal relationship, yada. So the question we should be asking is, how do we know him more? Not just how can I learn more facts about him, how do I know more about him? I'm going to give you three suggestions. There are a lot more than three, but let me give you a place to start. These should not surprise you. First one, read his word. If you want to recognize his voice, if you want to know him, it's read his word. It's study his word. It's why we're going through Psalms the way that we're going through Psalms. It's not just a checklist because I'm supposed to read this. It's so much more. His word is so much more than just here's how you're supposed to live. Now, you know what we discover in here? Who he is. His character. What breaks his heart who he is. Remember, that's what we're told. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. In other words, let's learn and know who he is. We also learn who we are to him. Start to discover more and more and more about who you are, who you are in him, your identity in Christ. 
the worth that you have to him, the value that he has given you, the purpose that he has set out for you. So study his word. It's why we study every single Sunday. It's why we give out Bibles. It's why we're going through Psalms the way that we're going through Psalms. It's why we do Bible studies so that we can dig into his word so we can yada, we can know him more. So that's one way, study his word. Second one is to pray. Not just God give me these things or not just God I need help with this. Those are two great parts of prayer, but please don't end there. God, let me share what's going on in my life right now. I know you already know this, but man, I just want to share it. That takes you beyond intellectual know and relationship knowing. Even though you intellectually know God, you know everything, I want to share. You begin to share what's going on in your life. You begin to confess. You begin to ask for help. You begin to thank him and praise him. You begin to do more than just check in with God. Hey, God, I'm good. You good? We good? All right, I'll talk to you later. Becomes so much more than just checking in. Jesus in John chapter 15 uses the word abide. Very different than just let me check in with God for a minute. You learn to listen. In fact, something I've been working on, I'm not good at this. I like to talk. I'm not very good at the silence part. So this is an area I work on. Finished a book on prayer over vacation, and one of the, the tangible applications is give God the first word. I love that. Before you say anything, before you begin your prayer, what if you gave God the first word? So sit in silence for a little bit. I've only made it to three minutes. I've got a ways to go. I started with one minute, so I'm moving up. But maybe that's you. Maybe it's, I just need to, to know him more, so I'm going to sit in silence and just let him speak to me to just be with him. Maybe you begin to give him the first words. We talk a lot about next steps. That's intentional. Because you know what next steps require? First, you asking God a question. God, what's my next step? Then it requires you listening. Then it requires you actually taking steps that move you closer to God. Taking a next step is to say, I'm intentionally putting myself in a position that requires me to depend more on God. That's a next step. It's not another thing you do in Christianity. It's a way you trust Jesus more. So what's your next step? What's going to cause you to, and I'm going to have to really trust him a whole lot more if I'm going to take that step. You know what that does? Grows your relationship. Moves you from knowing of God to Yadah. Allows you to lean in just a little bit more. This Wednesday uh, will be June 28th. Becky and I, my wife and I, will celebrate our 15th wedding anniversary this coming Wednesday. So super thankful for that. She has stuck with me for 15 years. I just try not to mess it up every day. But if you've been, mar if you've been married for more than just a couple years, you know that today you know each other a lot more than you did when you first got married right? When you first get married, you think you know everything about each other. We've dated for like six months. We know everything, right? And they're like, oh, that's who you really are. Got it. <laughs> that's what Becky said to me. I was like, you're stuck with me. Commitment, co covenant, right? But from those 15, almost 15 years, we have known each other so much more. Why is that, right? Think about just your relationships with other people, friendships, kids, spouses. You know each other more over the years because you develop that relationship, because you lean in, you listen, you share, you talk, you go through good times and bad times. You're there for one another. That's yada. If Becky and I just checked in with each other every now and then, made sure that we were all good, made sure that her favorite color hasn't changed recently, 
that's a very different type of knowing my wife than what we're called to know about God. It requires time. It requires movement. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. The, the psalmist here goes back to using some temple language again. Right? We looked through the temple, remember all the different gates and places, the holy of holies. Like That idea of the temple gets brought back up when we talk about his courts and his gates. It's this idea of we're going into the temple again. The reason that's important is now we're talking about doing this with people with other people. So far, what we've read, verses 1, 2, and 3, all of those movements of worship can happen on your own in the privacy of your own home, right? You can shout with joy just with you. You can worship and serve God in the confines of your home or in a small little part of your community, right? You can do that on your own even. You go into his, you go into his presence. That can be very personal between you and the Lord. You Yada, you know, you acknowledge who he is and who you are. Like all of those can be done very personally. You don't have to do that with other people. But here the psalmist is writing, it's important that you do this worship with other people. Can you love God outside of the church? Absolutely. Can you worship God without the church? Of course. But you're missing out on a lot. And you are missed. There's two sides. You're missing out and we miss you. What we do here once a week for an hour together is vital. Now, if you're watching online, love that you're there. I'd rather you be here. Here's why. Here's why. Because when we gather together, we get to do something that's unified together. We get to pray the same prayers together. We get to sing the same songs together. And we get to do it while hearing one another. Even if you're a terrible singer and you don't like to pray out loud, we get to do this thing called worship together. Oh, and that's important. Right? Throughout the New Testament, uh, the church is described in two ways. The body of Christ and the bride of Christ. Let me talk about the body of Christ specifically. Paul talks a lot about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head, we are the body. Every single one of us has a part. So let's talk about what happens when that part is missing. First of all, the rest of the body doesn't function as well. If the hand goes missing for a few weeks, we miss that hand. We miss, we don't function as well as if you were here. Like, hear that. We, as the body of Christ, do not function as well when you are gone. The other part, let's talk about from your perspective. What happens, not to be graphic, what happens if a hand stays disconnected for too long? It eventually what? Dies and decays. When we are disconnected from the body of Christ for an extended period of time, we isolate ourselves and we eventually begin to decay and die. We're missing the connectivity. We are called to be connected with one another. So when we praise, when we worship, when we give thanks, when we do all of these things, yes, we most certainly need to do that personally and on our own and in our own time throughout our weeks. But we cannot neglect, as Hebrew, the author of Hebrews would say, do not neglect the gathering of believers because we are intended to be connected. We function better connected and you are protected when you are connected. 
So let's talk about the two things we're called to do when we come together. Give thanks to him and praise his name. They sound the same, but there's a little difference here. There's two different sides of this. It's give thanks to him. I would say it more like this of give thanks for what he's done. Thank him for what he's done for you. Thank you. Thank him for all that he's doing in our church and in our community and the churches around the world and the churches here locally. Like, let's be thankful for all that he is doing and all that he has done. But then the other part of this said, praise his name. That's different than what he does, right? My name's Brian. I do not Brian, right? It's an identity piece. Now, I could tell you who Brian is and what Brian is like. That's very different than what Brian does. So we thank God for what he's done, but we also praise his name for who he is. It's both of those. Thank you for what you've done. And thank you for who you are. I'm going to give you some homework. Man, reading Psalm a day and journaling, and I'm going to add one more to you. If you've got your journal, this might be helpful to write this down. So here's, I've already done mine. I did mine yesterday. I'm trying to lead by example. I won't ask you to do something I won't already do. So here's what I'm going to have you do. At some point this week, if you want to do it the way I do it, that's fine, or do it your own way. You basically make a T, right? Draw a line down the middle of your page. The left side, God, thank you for what you have done. The right side, God, thank you for who you are and make a list. Make a list. We sang the the song Gratitude earlier. It's a slower song, intentionally. You should slow down when you are thankful. Let me just read you some of mine. God, thank you for what you have done. You have saved me, helped me, blessed me, adopted me. You've given me a family with an amazing wife and wonderful kids. You've given me great parents to raise me. Thank you for giving me mentors that have directed me. Thank you for taking care of me. You have taught me. You've given me wisdom when I needed it, and you have led us one step at a time as a family. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for guarding my heart and giving me purpose. There's a lot more and a lot of specifics in that, but I'm not going to share all those. That's between me and God. God, I praise you for who you are. You are compassionate and gracious. You are love. You are just and merciful. You are creator and counselor. You are mighty, holy, power and creator. You are majestic, humble, redeemer, father, savior, provider, and shelter. It's who he is. Now, we are told to do this as we enter his gates and enter his courts. So here's the next part of this. When you make your list, share it with someone. Just like I shared with you, you don't need a stage and a microphone. Share it with your kids, your spouse, your friends. Bring it with you next week. If you don't have anybody to share your list with, you share it with me. You show up with your list next Sunday, week after, whenever you're here next, and you share your list with me. Email me, call me, share your list with somebody. We're called to do this together, to stay connected. We show up together, we worship together, we praise him and thank him together. Verse five, why do we do all these things? Why do we shout? Why do we serve him and work for his kingdom? Why do we come into his presence and sing? Why do we yada? Why do we try to learn and grow and pursue him and seek him and and know more about him? Why do we do this thing called church every single Sunday to thank him and praise him? Why do we do that? Verse five is our reason why. For the Lord is good. You know, let's read this one together. We just talked about doing this together. Read it with me. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Do you know God's goodness is not based on your goodness? Thank God for that. 
His faithfulness is not based on your faithfulness. He is good. He is faithful. Not based on our actions and not based on our worship. It's not like the better we worship or the more we worship, the more love and grace and faithfulness that he gives. No. He is good. He is faithful. And that's why we worship. We don't worship so that we get his goodness or that he would be faithful. We worship him because it's who he is. So I'm going to hopefully help you do this a little bit this week. I'm going to put several different slides up. If you want to write these down or try to take notes or maybe taking a picture would be easier. I'm going to put these in a statement because that's a lot that we just went through. A lot of Hebrew words and different things I know. Probably the only thing you learned was ruah, and that's totally okay. You're still stuck at verse 1. I'm going to give you different ways to apply what we just walked through with worship to do this on your own. So for example, what does it mean to shout with joy? It's this, I will stop trying to fight my battles alone. And I'm going to give you a suggested worship song to go with each and every one of these. Get on YouTube or Spotify, however you listen to music, you can look these up. And I think this will help you this week. So I would tell you to pick one of these and lean in. So if that's you, man, I need to do more of like this, letting Jesus fight and win my battles, then here's the one for you. I'm going to stop trying to fight my battles alone, and there's a great song to go with it. Here's the next one. I'm a kingdom worker. This is when we say at your service. I'm a kingdom worker and will serve my king. In fact, this is the song we're getting ready to sing here in just a moment. Available would be your song for this next week. Maybe that's where you need to start. Here's the next one. I will sing to God like it's just me and him in the room song I would suggest is, God, you're so good. Now, let me lean in here just for a second. I sit right over here most Sundays, and I, I'll tell you, my favorite part is not hearing Trace sing. My favorite part is hearing us sing. And there's some of you that are super timid, like, man, I don't like to sing, and I'm not very good. This one's for you. Man, get in your car, go close a door, go someplace where you're not worried about what other people are going to think about you, and you belt this song out to him. Like it's just you and him. Here's your next one. I will take the time to yada. It takes time to get to know somebody. It takes time to study his word and not just read it real quick. It takes time to pray. It takes time to ask a question and then hear the answer and then take next steps. Be okay with that. I will take the time to know him more. A great song for you would be A Thousand Names by Phil Wickham. The whole song is who God is. Maybe that one's for you. I will prioritize worshiping with others. I will prioritize worshiping with other believers. The song for you is Good Grace. The whole idea of that song is we're singing this anthem together. So maybe that's you. Maybe you've kind of slid into the space of, I love Jesus, but not the church. I don't really get anything out of it anymore. I could be doing other things. You don't know what you're missing when you miss. Good Grace would be a great song for you this week. I will slow down and express my gratitude. Great song. We said it early, sang it earlier today. Gratitude by Brandon Lake. Maybe you need to just slow down, give thanks for who he is and for what he's done. Let me pray for us, and then we'll do that together. We will sing and praise him and thank him for who he is as a church. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for how you speak. Thank you for giving us your spirit that lives and dwells in us. Thank you so much that we can step into your presence at any point, that there's no longer a veil separating us from you. Jesus, thank you for 
making that separation go away by what you did on the cross. Now we can have a personal relationship with you and I pray we never take that for granted. Holy Spirit, would you remind us this week of what it truly means to worship, not just with song on a Sunday, but with every thought, every action, every step, every word, and every breath. We worship you in Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus, we are available to worship you with everything we are and everything that we have that goes beyond just our time together this morning. We're available tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, and the same for the next day and the next day. Jesus, we are available to serve you, to know you, to thank you, to praise you, to shout with joy because our victory is in you. May our worship be so much more, so much more than just what we do together today. Holy Spirit, would you remind us of Psalm 100 this week? Would you, would you lean us, would you, would you lean into us and pull us closer to you? May our worship become deeper. May it become more meaningful and more purposeful. May it become more intentional. May we do it alone and may we do it together. May we do it every day, all day, because of your goodness and because of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.